liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe What's up, y'all? This is Clint Russell in the building. I uh, did a hour-long sit-down with Anomaly this weekend, and I wanted to give it to you guys so that you could hear what it's all about. But also, it is going out live on my locals right now, and it's going out five full days later to you. So, I just wanted you guys to be aware that this is, you know, five days old, but it's still, you know, obviously very... Very timely and entertaining. It's actually a great, great conversation. I just listened back to it, and I was I was impressed, if I do say so myself. Um, but if you'd like to hear it when it actually happens, Anomaly and I are going, going to be doing that every couple months, I think. And it's going to be exclusive moving forward. I don't think I'll even be putting out the ad- audio of it, because uh, we want to be able to talk about, you know, shit that we're not allowed to talk about <laughs> anywhere else. So if you want to hear the... the uh, unfiltered unvarnished us that'll be the place to get it he's a he's a great guy and gives really uh in-depth analysis he's not as you know died in the wool libertarian as me um but i think he's got his head on straight for sure and i i I always appreciate his insight he has a, a different angle different analysis but i think that we play well off each other so i hope you guys enjoy it and if you do go over to libertylockdown.locals.com Sign up to become a supporting member of the show. doesn't cost you much, and it will help me not run ads eventually. That's the goal. And if I can get enough people that are supporting me, we already have over 50 that are supporting members over there, which is really cool. And uh, hopefully we can get a couple hundred. I mean, we're doing 10,000 shows, so you would think you would think I could be able to get co- you know a couple hundred. Let's go. LibertyLockdown.Locals.com. Enjoy the show. Everybody, we got a secret Dream Rare podcast, Secret Stash. I'm going to post this to Facebook supporters, Patreon supporters, Behind the Paywall, and Clint's going to use this as well. Uh, Let's start with something that can immediately get us in trouble on all platforms, which is (laughs) the Brittany Brittany Griner situation. So, yeah, Brittany Griner. I just want to say I'm so happy to be free and uh, (laughs) ready to get back on the court. I was reading online, dude, because I was trying to like see what people were saying about that because I'd never heard the voice. And someone was saying that if you're tall, you have a, uh, you know, you have your vocal like canal is smaller or something, which leads uh, your which leads your voice to be deeper. Okay. And for the sake of keeping my channels, I'm just going to believe that completely with no further question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, is, that's, it, yeah. it is possible she has gigantism because like if you remember Andre the Giant, his voice was like crazy deep. Right. Um, but yeah, she's got a she's got a Barry Manilow voice on. Her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was reading some random thread about the tallest guy ever. And yeah, when you're big to it, it causes a lot of health problems when you're like, eight feet or whatever that guy was but we're just gonna say for a hundred percent certainty that that's what it is you know and there's no other possible possibility right nope no other possible (laughs) set a pick bitch set a pick (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh you know we'll uh we'll leave that to 60 minutes we'll let the experts uh, weigh in on that when she does her like you know story about coming home 
Um, you know, everybody was mad because, well, not everybody, but definitely conservatives were like, how could you get rid of her, but not, you know, pa Paul Whelan, who is a, a U.S. military guy who Biden left there and they got the merchant of death or some big bad Russian guy got taken out and all the conservatives were upset. What do you think? I mean, I, I think that it, it shows um, it really kind of dismantles the argument that that Russia is in a position of weakness. I mean, no matter how you view it, like that, that is a lopsided trade. You have a, a weapons dealer versus a professional athlete that no one watches. <laughs> <laughs> she was one of the most famous WNBA players, which apparently gets subsidies from the NBA to even exist because they don't generate revenue. Yeah. But I, And I'm one of the most famous libertarians. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I knew who... I knew who she was for a long time, you know, because when she got I did drafted, too. I did too. you know, yeah. So uh, you're right, and and I mean, well, the the, the reason she was really notable is because she was enormous. I mean, yeah, she's right. Like, she's like six ten or something. She's a really really tall girl, and um, still can barely dunk, proving that women suck at basketball. <laughs> yes, they have no no ups whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that the the trade was lopsided, and and I think that it it really just does go to show that our uh, our priorities are pretty weird. You know, like you have a Marine <laughs> who right. fought for his country and, and your preference is to get a WNBA girl out. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, you know, personally, I think that it's still good that they got her out. And I, I also think that, I mean, we should get into Victor Bout, the Merchant of Death. So right. I'll save that. Yeah, you said exactly what I said, which is what almost everybody missed, of course, because all the conservative accounts, they're just saying, I, and I get it, I get what they're saying, but they always miss like the important part. And I think the important part of this, besides the obvious, was this guy had done plenty of arms deals for the United States. Is that correct? I saw Michael Tracy post that. That's a fact. He, uh, he was responsible for hundreds of resupply deliveries uh, via airplane into Iraq during Iraq War II in like 2003, 2004 uh, arena. So this guy was a CIA asset. I mean, that's that's what you know about it right away. Is like if he's... Allegedly, possibly. Yes. I mean, yes. if he's working with the US, you, right? Foreign, that's their that's their field, the CIA, like foreign... Yeah. I mean, he's a, weapon, he's a weapons dealer that has sold weapons to basically everybody, but that includes working for our State Department. So that, I mean... If you're not an American and you're doing military service for the American government, I don't know how to assume anything other than you're a CIA asset. I'm not saying he's a CIA agent. I'm just saying like he was working for the CIA to get it. It looks is like, it, po it looks is it possible? So he was doing arms deals to the U.S. government. So definitely he was dealing with the U.S. government, which would be the military, right? At yeah. least like the what the, was that the Department of Defense or what's the technical? Yeah, DOD. Yeah. Okay, so and. It's almost safe to say if he's doing arms deal, probably the CIA had at least an eye on him or or the Department of Defense. Like, what's the I mean, I know they're different agencies, but do they almost work hand in hand like the yes. CIA and the I Department mean, of Defense? Particularly when it comes to international war, like it, they kind of have to because that's their purview. They're the ones that are spying on everybody. They're the ones that have dossiers that are built on all of our enemy combatants and things like that. So, I mean, it would just be naive not to believe that this that the CIA didn't have some form of file at a minimum, if not uh, an explicit relationship with this guy. So the fact that he was released um, to me probably means that, you know, they didn't view him as, as a, as that big of a threat. 
um, which I find fascinating. And I don't know if you want to watch that interview, but he's a he's I an did. interesting guy. No, I did watch it. First, I want to say, you know, of course, when you're this big, scary arms dealer, it's just so funny that he's dealing arms to the United States. Because if, if we're talking about arms dealers, it would be like being a basketball player and not playing in the NBA. Like that's the best league. So if you're going to be that big of an arms dealer, you know, the U.S. is the NBA of arms dealing. So it's it's yeah. not shocking that he was working with the biggest arms dealer probably in the world. Yeah, he he like he was in the Euro League, he was in the China League for a little while, but then he also he had a couple seasons in the NBA, you right. know. <laughs> <laughs> and the interview was interesting. I think it was Russia Television, which is harder and harder to see now because it's being banned from all things. But you know, he basically came across like very reasonable, logical. I mean, basically was saying like, you know, I don't my beef is not with the American people, the farmers, the rural people. It's more with the elites. And he was saying, you know, America's culture is falling apart. It's so sad as somebody that loves America and doesn't care for Russia. Like I'm an American. I'm not a Russian, although I've probably been blamed for it a thousand times because that's the U.S., you know, attack to like call you that all the time and probably spy on everybody. But in general, it's like I love America. It's just so sad that we suck now. And like, you know, we're making Russia look cooler because all of their people are always like logical and reasonable. And we have like drag queen story hour professionals running like nuclear you know databases <laughs> and stealing luggage and stealing uh, luggage the dudes regularly so yeah. strange yeah no i mean i i just i think that it it uh it's weird when you have you know a guy who was basically a political prisoner in america for years and looking at many many more years and he's released and the first interview he gives he comes off far more pragmatic reasonable empathetic than <laughs> you know tony blinken or or any of the higher ups in our state department it's just we're we're in trouble man that's like the primary takeaway i had from it i was like wow this guy this guy just spent years in prison after having worked for our government for a time um and he still has no hatred in his heart for americans and i think that that's that's kind of how i feel about russians like you know they they want us to hate each other i don't hate russians i don't right. i'm sorry not going to happen right especially the people it's like the people right. of russia but even with their, you know, our culture and stuff, I think the main takeaway I've, that I was excited for Trump when he said make America great again, because I was not as right leaning as I am now. But I always thought, well, if he means self-accountability and like it's time for us to focus on ourselves instead of bombing the Middle East, maybe this will be good because no one ever talks about us. And I think, you know, to truly beat Russia, eventually we have to change ourselves and we are becoming like pathetic, degenerate, weird, weak. And, you know, pointing at them isn't helping. Like, it doesn't mean we like them more than our country. It's it's just right. sad that all of our heroes and leaders and cultural export is like pathetic. And, you know, their craziest people are sadly, I would say the two minutes I watched of him were more authentic than anything I've ever heard Joe Biden say. And that's sad. <laughs> yeah, man. Right? He's never had it's a moment It's so true. Like that. It's so true. And, you know, and even our heroes, like the ones that did kind of buck the trend are kind of falling apart as we just discussed on the prior stream with Jordan Peterson. It's, right. it's very sad. And I, I think it, it just goes to show kind of the, the cultural decline that we're in and why, you know, more and more people are coming to shows like yours and mine and, and trying to find people that are, are really bucking this stuff, you know, like really trying to push back, right. um, man, it's scary times. Yeah, so I guess we both agree, yay 2024. Now, <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be 50 media outlets now, you know, like, no, I'm just kidding. They're like, 
internet personality rapper said he agrees with World War. No, 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 no. Uh, no Defcons. No Defcons. Yeah, no Def. No Def. Defcons. No Defcons. Um, no. No. No Jeffcons. You know, if there's someone named Jeff trying to run his own convention and call it Jeffcon, I can None have that. that also. Yeah, yeah dude, we can't have that. Idea. Terrible also, marketing it's, play. It's a bad marketing play because, like, how many Jeffs could you really have? Like that wouldn't that be kind of crazy though, Jeffcon? And then you had a convention of Jeffs and everyone there was just like Jeff. Like there's one like Muslim guy, like, hey, I'm Jeff. And like some white, white guy, like, oh, my, name, my name's Jeff Johnson. He's like, oh, I'm Jeff uh, Akbar. You know, and they're just like, like, it's just all Jeffs. And they're just like, they have this weird like Jeff supremacy, like ideology where they just think they're better because they're named Jeff. Dude, I'm putting it out there. You're going to see a name convention and it's going to be weird. And no one's going to, it's going to be like a Comic-Con where it's like, you have to be there and be that type of person to understand it. If not, it just looks like a furry convention. Dude, so. I think they they do have like twin con where it's like all twins go and they meet up. So Jeff Con is not out of, out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> it could happen. We're gonna go Jeff Con three on uh, <laughs> so, uh, a twin con. That's pretty crazy, dude. They probably have like telepathic powers because you know when you're like a twin, sometimes they leave each other for twenty years. They come and meet each other and they have the same outfit on. Like I've heard that story, and it's like that's wild. It, that is a bigger threat than Jeff Con. So we yeah, gotta keep some an eye them- on twin con. Some of them have like wives with the same names and they'll be in the same line of work and right. things like that, even though they've been separated for 30 years. It's fascinating. Like our genetics play a huge role. Twin con is like, it sounds like clone con. You just, everybody, just a bunch of clones. All right, we'll stop. We'll move to serious <laughs> topics. This is a serious podcast. Um, Brazil, uh, people wanted me to talk about Brazil and what's going on there. I'm only aware that, you know, uh, Bolsonaro lost the election. He's not happy about it. Uh, people there are not happy about it, some of them, but that's really as far as I know. Do you know anything about what's going on in Brazil? I do. Um, I don't want to mess with your Patreon, so I'll, I'll try well, and I mean, yeah, talk you, around it. No, it's fine. I guess, like, are people saying that it was stolen? I mean, yeah, I don't really Pe- care. People are saying that, um, but I, I won't. I, I don't have a strong opinion as to whether or not it was, but I will say this. I had an investigative reporter named Addy Ads on my show uh, about a week ago. And he is an American reporter and he went to Brazil and while he was trying to report on the uprisings that are happening because there is major, major uprisings and the American media is not reporting on it. He was sat down and basically threatened by associates of people that presented State Department cards from America. So we have what appears to be FBI, CIA, I don't know what, uh, but State Department operatives that are on the ground in Brazil that are actively intimidating uh, media to not report on it. So that tells me that there's something uh, amiss. Dude, I saw Bernie Sanders tweet something of that. I don't know if you saw it, but basically mm-hmm. he was he tweeted something along the lines, I'm going to paraphrase, that like wh- while the election was happening, it was essentially like, you know, Bolsonaro was saying all this stuff, we need to send the CIA down there, like, like pretty much openly admitting that they were doing that. So it's interesting yep. that you confirmed it. <laughs> Let me try to find that. That tweet. I bet if I search Bernie Sanders, let me see, Brazil, CIA, that should do it. That should put me on a few lists. Hold on. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna put my microphone up to it because I think it, um, hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to it because it's a 15 second clip and then I'll just say what he said. I'll do like a translation because I, because okay. I have my headphones in. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, if anyone wants to check out that episode, it's called, uh, Brazil on the brink, and I did it about ten days ago. 
Okay, so here's Bernie Sanders on some fighting fascism podcast. I'm just going to translate what he's saying because I can't play it. Hold on. Hold on a second. He said we sent the he sent the CIA and the Secretary of Defense down to Brazil. I'm going to keep translating. Over the last several months, to make it clear that they did not want to see a rigged election or coup, and that's what the Biden people did, and I appreciate it. So that's word for word what he said. I was just listening and read. So he said we sent the CIA and what was it, the State Department. Down there, because we don't want to see a coup or a rigged election. And that's what it is. I mean, that is obviously just sketchy, you know, no matter which way. Like, that's because here's here's one thing I will say. I know now that after 2020 and the mail-in ballots and what Trump did, culturally, everybody who ever loses is going to say that. Like in Australia, I'm not saying it wasn't because I don't know. But I talked to two people from Australia. One said, oh, they stole the election. It was rigged. And the other one told me, he's like, dude, we won a bunch of seats, you know, because it's it's actually different than it used to be where they went from having no party. And as a libertarian, you know how like impossible this is. They actually got a huge chunk of seats in Australia. Like they didn't win the most, but they won so many that it like it's actually a huge win for a party that didn't even exist to even gain some sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but like people there were still complaining. So I think on one hand. You know, everybody's always going to like if Democrats lose, they're going to say it was rigged and or they're going to say it's this. If Republicans and all over the world, people see that and now they say it. But also True. you you have social media, social media engineering, which we now see they are absolutely putting their thumbs on the scale. We've known that. I called that out. And I actually said that in 2018, Trump was oblivious to this. And I said, this is a bigger deal than you realize, because if they can shift Google, Twitter, Facebook, all that a little bit. And that affects 10 million people's minds. Like you have no idea. It's it could be even bigger than mail-in ballot, uh, you know, situations because that I mean, if I had the data that Google and Facebook has, I could make a billion dollars in sales. You know, like they don't realize. Easy. how far, Yeah, easy. You know, billion, every, everything on everyone. And you can just shift the scale five or 10 percent. That changes the outcome. So that changes they, the outcome of almost every election. I mean, right. how many elections are decided by more than 10 points? Like very, very few. Right. And in certain areas, it's 10,000 votes, 5,000 votes. So that's happening. You know, obviously, after 2020 and and you look at California, they're trying to make mail-in ballots permanent. Um, Republicans are winning elections, though, because now what they're doing in California, ballot harvesting is legal. And people say, oh, you're going to cheat like the Democrats. It's not cheating. It's it's cheating to cast a vote for someone that's not yours. But you're allowed to collect votes and like like, you know, which was never a thing. So Republicans are getting smart in California and starting to do it and win elections right. because they're figuring out the exact laws and doing exactly what the Democrats are uh, in a legal manner. So you have all this. And then, you know, so I understand why people are questioning stuff. I guess the only thing that I'm concerned with, and this isn't me gatekeeping or anything, this is just an honest concern, is we don't want to be the boy who cried wolf. We want to pinpoint it. Because when we don't pinpoint it, we end up looking crazy. It's like saying lockdowns are good because we're arresting the pedophiles. And it's like, no, no, lockdowns are bad, but also pedophiles are bad and they're real, but we're not arresting them, unfortunately, you yes, know, at this yeah, moment. Exactly. So I just want to make sure even with Brazil or anywhere or Australia, we pinpoint it exactly. But I think sending our CIA down there to strong arm journalists and people who disagree, that's for sure not a good sign. And they're no. doing they're doing this sort of thing where it's basically like, if you question any election in any way, you're bad. It's like if you question LGBT in any way, it provides a lane for them to get away with anything if journalists are not even allowed to like, oh, that's the new anti-vaxxer is journalists 
questioning elections is illegal and wrong. Well, now you're giving yourself a red carpet to do whatever you want and no one's allowed to challenge you. It's, it's obvious. Well, a perfect example, too, is, you know, early days, you weren't allowed to talk out against lockdowns on YouTube. You weren't allowed to talk about uh, vaccine efficacy. And, and now they have a new, you know, terms of service that includes Brazil's elections. You know, it's not just the American elections, but it's also Brazilian. And okay. just, when they when they start to target stuff like that, I get really skeptical because how many of those things that we weren't allowed to talk about ended up being that we should have been talking about them, you know, right. and. And, and you could talk about Iran's protest in an election, right? That's right. fine. Or like, right. like uh, you could talk about China. I could, right? Probably not in China, but on no, here. not in China, but here, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, well, certain, and, oh, you just can't talk about U.S. elections and Brazil elections, but you can talk about uh, if we want a coup. I mean, uh, if we want uh, <laughs> outsider um, activist, you know, li liberal lesbian to win the election. Then you can question, you know, when the big bad fascist wins the election. But exactly these two countries. Trust me, if Bolsonaro had won that election, then we would be allowed to question the legitimacy of that election. You know, that, and I think that tells you everything you need to know. But just to go back to your point, yes, we need to be right. You know, like you can't just theorize this stuff every time a, a right leaning politician loses. However, there has been evidence that's been presented by his camp that shows that there was. Uh, Lula was his competitor who right. won the presidency. And there was evidence that there was boosting of hashtags that were just started by Lula's camp that were very, very small, had almost no traction whatsoever. Whereas there was organic hashtags that were in support of Bolsonaro that had a half a million or a million uh, uses. Those would never trend. Whereas anything from Lula's camp would instantly trend. It's just so obvious to me. It, you know, it has been obvious, but now we're starting to see more and more evidence of it that all of big tech is laying their very heavy thumb on the scale when it comes to, um, you know, any major global election. And I just I just feel like if you care about democracy, which I really don't because I think it's corrupt, but if you care about it, this should bother you no matter what your political leanings are. Right. And I mean, Elon is basically unveiling all this stuff and making it not a fringe theory, but really almost a fact of how they're manipulating social engineering. And yeah. I've been saying this since 2017, 2018. And this is one thing that really kind of annoys me about Trump uh, is that when he does when he says something, most conservatives just like parrot what he says. Right. right. And they become like NPCs of Trump. Like he says something bland. They say something. He says something. They say something. I'm not saying that I think you shouldn't be allowed to question anything around an election, but I find that everybody just turns into Trump NPCs and their narrative isn't even intriguing or interesting where yeah. I'm not saying you can't question the ballots or, or question the lockdown. But what I am saying is like Trump doesn't he's kind of older and he doesn't understand social engineering like a little bit like he'll say fake news and this and that. But since 2018, Jim Jordan, all these people didn't take it seriously until they started getting banned. And, and everybody started and then they started worrying about it too late. So I don't want to play the victim on elections and act like Trump's an innocent victim when he had his hand in the lockdown and he had his hand in telling people to extend it, which led to the result of that. And also with social media, I know that mass mail in ballots is sketchy. I don't disagree. But what, like Facebook is a multi-billion dollar company and a lot of it is off of their data because when you have the information and the information flow and how everybody talks and communicates and you have billions of people on your platform and you shift the scales uh, against a certain candidate or against a certain ideology, people don't understand. Like I have an email list of 150, 200,000 people 
uh, there's a certain amount of money that I'll make if I send something out on the low end and the high end, but it's in there. And if I times two it, it'll times two. This is just the math of it. So they have so much power. They can make a billion dollars. They can shift the scales 10%. They can do even more than anybody can do harvesting ballots. But nobody talks about it because Trump never talked about it. And nobody talks about it because it's not like a, you know, it, it's not interesting to people. But I'm like, I'm not saying you can't talk about that. But yeah, I think you can you can get more votes your way. Every Tinder, Bumble, Snapchat, Instagram, like everywhere you turn, get a vaccine, get a vaccine, get a, everywhere you turn, vote, 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 vote. Well, who are, you know, I think they did get more votes than people realize, not because Biden's so cool. But because they used all of their power in big tech, when everybody was locked down, had no concerts to go to, had no gyms to go, you couldn't go anywhere. And every app was telling you to vote. I'm not surprised that there were more people voting. I'm not saying nothing happened, but I like people were like, oh, it's not possible. Well, it is possible when your government locks you in your house and every app for three months tells you to register, 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 register. And if you're lazy and you don't even know how to get there, they send it to your mailbox. They made it. It's like, you know, if I had that type of power to give people notifications on Snapchat, Tinder, Bumble, Facebook, YouTube, every app, to, I could make $10 billion. So, of course, you'd be they Joe Rogan. Get, <laughs> dude, I'd, I'd be selling, uh, I'd be selling Alpha Man or whatever. I don't even know. You know, no, I, I think you nailed it, man. That, that's that has been my point for your, over a year now is like, look, did they manipulate us? Hell yeah, they did. But did they steal it? Well, depends on your definition of steal you know like if you're manipulated into doing something well then you did it so like are you really a victim i don't know uh, like i i wasn't the one i didn't get propagandized into thinking that biden was my savior i'm not one of you idiots so like but i am now <laughs> suffering the, the result of of your uh propagandist uh propagandization if that's a word and uh i just i think that it's so obvious that when you have the the full court press of every social media platform every search engine everything that's all pushing in the same direction you're going to get they even they admitted this bro they said it the, the whole reason that they said that russia's manipulation of our election via social media that just a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of facebook ads was enough to shift the election in 2016. The reason they said that is because they know the power of influence that the social media platforms have when it comes to people's voting patterns. Yeah. They know it. So and now they can turn around and deny it, but it's just obviously true. They were the ones that that informed us of that reality. Right. Full court press. That's a great way to put it. And uh, those ads, I did a story on it. Like It was like Bernie Sanders coloring books and like this this stuff where I was like, in a week, I reach more people than this did in a year. So it's like, did that, like the, the things that they're rigging and, and social engineering was like times 20 million of what they accused, like, cause the, the Russian, they, they didn't even have that much. It was like these Jesus versus Satan ads and like Bill right. O'Reilly at like the, the amount of reach they had is it was laughable to any big influencer. It wasn't even that much when it was all at. And one of them was like a Bernie Sanders coloring book. Like, oh dude, that really... Like, I don't even know. Maybe they were just making money or something because it didn't even really make sense. But um, well, I, I think that they were just trying to get anyone other than Hillary. I mean, if you actually go back and you look at what they were pushing, it looks like they they didn't care if it was Trump. They just preferred uh, Bernie or Trump. They just didn't want Hillary because Hillary's a fucking war hawk and they were scared of her. Like, I, and they're right to be. And then look what look what Biden amounted to, to becoming uh, basically, you know, Hillary's replacement or heir apparent where. He's now, you know, right in alignment with the what I view as a clear proxy war, utilizing U Ukraine to, you know, fight Russia without going to war actively. Um, so 
I think that they were right to be doing what they were doing. And guess what? The American government does that to basically every nation on earth. We have been influencing and manipulating their elections too. So, you know, we got a little taste of our own medicine and we flipped out because it was the first time that a quote unquote outsider got in there. And then he didn't end up being enough of an outsider to make a difference. So it's, uh, it's all sad. <laughs> yeah. And I, but even the reach of like the Bernie Sanders coloring book, like I don't even remember, but like the, the numbers were like, it wasn't like a hundred million people reached. No, it was no. like, so low that it was like one post from like an average influencer is reaching yeah. more people. So I don't think I don't think it changed anything. I I think that they just wanted to lay the groundwork for what where we're at today, where you know Russia's our enemy, even though they've done basically nothing to us. And isn't it kind of weird? And th this is what's also like the whole Trump wave, where I just think he's been ineffective over the last few years, and just like kind of like his narratives don't make sense to be like they used to. He just seems like stale. Uh, but one thing that really seems weird is like that this victim thing where it's always like when you talk to the the people that are still like oh he's yeah i'd vote for him over biden still but i i don't prefer him because it's like oh he got tricked by his advisors so he's dumb or weak uh, well that's not why i originally liked him well he this and that and then also this thing of like elon musk doing more for the gop in a month than they've done in four years where it's like when you're not chasing over your own tail and just crying victim all the time you can actually like trump was the president in 2020 I understand it was a hard task, but he really, I, I don't think he did anything different than Hillary would have done with Operation War Speed and lockdowns. Like, you know, perhaps nope. he opened earlier, but he didn't even open as early as Sweden or Georgia. Like he gets an F in my opinion, but oh, he's the victim though. And, you know, the only way it's like, can, can we admit that Elon, who's not even a conservative or a Republican, has done more for the GOP to unearth what they would consider election engineering than anyone's done with any documentary or you know, attempts like why? Why is he so much Hell more effective? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's more effective because he actually got in the fight. He he laid his money on the line, and he and he went into the to the fray. And and Trump, unfortunately, you know, like you said, maybe it was his advisors, maybe it was the people he surrounded himself with. I don't give a shit. That's not an excuse. You're you're the top executive of the world when you're the president of the United States, and his entire claim to fame is that he surrounds himself with the smartest and the brightest and i'm the higher and fire he's famous for firing people well you didn't fire fauci so no forgiveness brother no forgiveness no amnesty on yeah on that that's the next topic actually and i know i don't know if patreon or facebook like what their uh censorship policies are but i don't really care because it is what it is like it, they took away this is what's annoying about facebook too not to go on a rant i've told people this but they don't even like tell you what it was or what they're so sloppy. That's why, although Elon's not perfect and I don't fully trust him, I'm glad he's doing all this transparent stuff. Cause if that's how bad Twitter was, Twitter's not that bad. Like what are they doing at Instagram? I, and I hope somebody buys Facebook and does this. Cause I know I'm one of the bigger influencers on Facebook. I want to see the Facebook files. They've been wrong every time they censored me on any topic. They don't care. They have no customer service. I hope they get, that gets blown out of the water, but me too, man. With DeSantis, I know a lot of people don't trust him as much as Trump. They're saying, you know, Trump's totally not establishment, but DeSantis is establishment. And I understand there's probably an element of truth to that with donors and certain things. But when it comes to the uh, mRNA injection, we'll call it to throw off the AI algorithms, the mRNA injection, DeSantis has been way less establishment than Trump. And a lot of the Trump supporters don't want to admit it, where DeSantis is now teaming up with the Surgeon General to basically go after the injection manufacturers and say he says that they lied about things and he wants to hold them accountable. 
I mean, this is the opposite of establishment. No one in the GOP is doing this. And Trump is still running around saying he saved the world. It's the greatest thing. And I know people that are near him that are basically saying, dude, he's not budging. You know, he told Alex Jones, apparently, and, and Candace, like he, he's he basically wants you to just bow down and kiss his feet and say, you know, I'm lying about this, but you have to deal with it because I'm Trump and, and you don't call me out like he doesn't want to learn. And this is what I'm trying to get to Trump supporters like. Yeah, maybe DeSantis is establishment, but on the on the the V or the injection, you know, to throw off the either robots who work for these platforms or the liberals who act right like robots. I mean, I'm, I'd, I'd, I might I might rather AI than liberals at this point, but in general, not to be de- demeaning, but you know, people Please gotta be. call call Trump out on this because, like, dude, DeSantis is coming in for the, the the kill by just making a mockery of what a weak leader Trump has been on the injections and. You know, I didn't see it get much coverage, but I think he's going to lose if he doesn't correct or at least like stop shilling so hard for Big Pharma. Well, I'll tell you this much. If if DeSantis is is legit, if he's sincere in pushing to go after Big Pharma, it's as brave as, you know, JFK talking about the central bank. It's as brave as any of these people that Ooh, have. That's a big real. statement. That's a big it's, statement. From, it's a yeah. big deal, though. It's a big it deal is. because if you if you realize, you know, what interests allowed lockdowns to transpire in 2020 right. and the mandates to transpire in 2021, these people have deep roots in our right. government. And, and I don't think it's just our government. I think it's a global problem. So if he wants to take that fight on and he's sincere, God bless him. And, you know, good luck. I, I really, I hope he's sincere. I, you know, as a, uh, a, a cynic of political maneuvering, <laughs> I, I tend to think that he's giving it lip service and he'll ultimately end up being bought off by pharma so that he can become president of the United States. However, I will reserve judgment and pray that he's the real deal and that he's actually serious because people need to pay a price for the the damages done to everybody. It's insane. Yeah, I hear you. I, I hope he is too. Only time will tell, but you know, it seems like he's going <laughs> to go for it. But, you know, even if he really does go for it. Will there how you know the prep act and all of these kind yeah. of emergency? They got they got processes. a lot of liability shields. Right. Yeah. That would be that would be huge though. Um, the next one I want to talk about was the Fed statements. People told me to look into it. Um, what, do you know what they said recently? I know they're they're Elon said today that if they raise interest rates again, that they're yeah. going to crash the economy. I, I mean, they were talking about a three quarter rate, um, three quarter point rate hike in I think it's this Wednesday. And now I think that their most recent messages were like hinting at it being a half a point. I I agree with Elon, you know, for those that aren't aware, my former job was a entrepreneur, but I was a mortgage broker. I ran a mortgage company and I brokered a couple hundred million dollars with the loans. And I really know about the power of interest rates when it comes to the economy. Awesome. And, and it's a huge, huge issue. I mean, you, you already have, 30-year mortgage rates that are approaching, you know, seven and a half, eight percent. As of just a year ago, you could get a 30-year mortgage for three and a quarter, three and a half at worst. So rates have more than doubled. And if they continue with this pathway, the the debt carry, there's just so many trillions and trillions of dollars of debt that that exists in the global economy. Well, when people have to roll over that debt, that means that they have to refinance from these two or three or four percent rates up into the seven, eight, nine, ten percent rates. Well, that obviously is is tremendously crippling to an, uh, an economy so i think that if they if they don't relent here soon uh the depression slash severe severe recession in 23 is going to be brutal so for 
people that don't fully understand like myself i mean i get gist of it and i understand is it a damned if you do damned if you don't situation like why would yes. they raise the interest rates and what are the consequences if they do or don't yes the 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 reason that they're in a rock and a hard place is because we're experiencing pretty severe inflation and and when you hike interest rates it slows the economy which will inevitably also bring down inflation but you have to find this balance. This, this glide path is what they always try and call it, where or a soft landing is what the Fed <laughs> likes to use, um, where they find the the perfect balance between you know bringing down inflation but not bringing down the economy so much that we end up in a depression. And I think that's really the the rock and a hard place jam that they're in is because they they kept interest rates low for over a decade and they continue to print trillions and trillions of dollars, not to mention the like 10 trillion that they printed throughout the COVID hysteria, not to mention the tens of trillions that were printed globally. If you don't just include the U S dollar, um, there's a lot of currency that's chasing a, a very small supply of goods because our supply chains were broken because of the lockdowns. This is all, all very complicated stuff, but um, you know, early days of my show because of my expertise and also because of my background in Austrian economics, I, I realized that we were going to have a, a recession plus inflation which is, you know, a, a terrible combination. We've only really had it in the 1970s, and it and it required, uh, what was his name? I don't think it was was it Paul Volcker uh, in 1980, give or take. He hiked the the Fed uh, rate all the way north of 20 percent. Now, if they were to do that today, we would be in a global Great Depression that would make your head spin. So I don't think that's going to happen. But even with the the Fed funds rate being around four or five percent, because there's so much debt in this economy, that may be enough to put us into a global depression. So it's it's complicated. I want to ask if you had 100 percent points to, to push the blame, like in your expertise or your uh, opinion. So sure. I want like some of those points, like say it's like 50 percent, this, 50 percent, that whatever. Uh, I want like all the things the Fed has been doing before COVID. Uh, part of it would be like COVID, what I would say Trump, Pelosi, McConnell, all of them did during Trump's thing. Um, the Biden regime, what he did. And then also like the war with Putin and the gas stuff. Like put the blame, like I want to hear your percentage to break down. Like, out the percentages. Exactly. Uh, do you want it just for the inflation or for the economic turmoil? Uh, we do both separately. That's fine. If they're okay. Separate. <laughs> um, I mean, they're a little bit separate, but you know, obviously I have a tremendous bias because of my libertarian leanings and my Austrian economics background. But I, I believe that at, at its root, the, the federal reserve is responsible for the entirety of the boom bust cycle, almost like 85, 90%. Um, the political like window dressing is kind of irrelevant because if you, if you have the capacity to dictate what the actual amount of currency is that's circulating a system, not to mention the interest rates by which people can borrow, which is the most important signal to an economy, the interest rate at which you can borrow, basically the price of money. That's they get to dictate that. That is that is godlike power. And they behave as if they're gods because they think they are because they have more power than anybody on the earth on earth. Um, so I think that they're responsible for the vast majority of it. But then our, our politicians, our political class didn't help at all. I mean, Trump and and as you said, McConnell, Pelosi, everybody else that supported the lockdowns and the bailout plans, basically everybody other than Thomas Massey, uh, you know, anybody that voted for the, the bailouts in COVID era, anybody that voted for the bailouts of the banking system in the 
uh, Great Recession. All of these people are responsible for ultimately not just the inflation, but the shitty economic outlook, not to mention the income inequality that the the left laments, even though it's a product of the, the banking establishment and our was, political class. Was it going to get this bad, though, without the COVID? Like, do you think the COVID was a cover for it or or just that like they they sabotaged it? Yeah, well, I, I go very uh, tinfoil hatty on this. I, it, for those that aren't aware, in 2019, there was an overnight lending crisis uh, between the banks where the overnight rate got into double digits, which normally an overnight lending rate between banks is like a fraction of a point. You know, it's like 0.25 or something because it's only one day. Like, why would that, why would you want a huge return on that? Right. But what that showed to me is that because of the derivatives contracts, which is basically borrowing a, upon other debt, that's what der derivatives ultimately are. There was huge fragility in our economic system in 2019, and there was major bailouts. They're not reported because we don't have access to the Fed's uh, real books, but I think that there was trillions and trillions of dollars. There's been reports that there's been trillions and trillions of dollars of bailouts that were occurring before COVID. So to me, I think that there's a potential at least, I'm not going to say it definitively, but there's significant potential that we were facing a global Great Depression in 2019 and the 2020 lockdowns were a, a cover to enable them to basically buy themselves time to both groom the global population to basically go along with whatever they say, but also prepare them and, and, uh, and roll out the central bank digital currencies, which is what I believe is the, the next real project. Do you own stocks or no? I used to. I don't right now. Do you think it's going to keep going down or? Uh, it really depends on the Fed. I mean, if they if they roll back on their interest rates, then I think that there will be a real opportunity to to buy a whole bunch of stocks. Um, but until they stop that process of hiking rates, I, I wouldn't touch stocks personally. And the reason they hike them, if they didn't hike them, real quick before we move on, like what would happen if they didn't hike them? At, like, I think that. Yeah, if you if they don't keep hiking them, we'll probably still have a recession, but I don't know if it would be super severe. It it needs to be because there's so much crazy debt in the system. But um, I think that you would probably see risk back on is what they call it in in stock trading, where a lot of people would start to go out and buy stocks because they would think that, you know, well, we have all this cash that's still circulating in the system. So where is it going to go? It's going to go to the strongest stock market in the world. And that's still the U.S. All right. Well, I want to get a few more topics. Uh, I want to yeah, talk yeah. about real quick. Now, appreciate your analysis because I, I understand it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, but I don't really understand the complications of it. So yeah, it's very I, complicated. Sorry, sorry yeah. for for boring anybody that hates economics, but we no, I'm sure some <laughs> some people appreciate it because I hear I, you know I've talked to people that are pretty decent and they're like, yeah, if you do it that, that's not going to be good. But if you do that, right. that's not going to be good. So right. I, I just wanted to understand it a little deeper. So I had a debate with this Israeli Jewish rights activist named Rudy Rockman. And uh, you did a great I'll, job, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you watched the Seek Away and on it too. Um, I've been wanting to for years, like really like a Shapiro or a Prager, because there's things I find very inconsistent with their, you know, free speech, their supposed free speech rules, etc. Um, but this guy is a little different. Obviously, you know, he's not. I guess he is an American citizen, but he doesn't consider himself an American citizen. He doesn't vote, which is appreciated, unlike I'm sure a lot of people who do vote that don't like America. But, um, you know, I thought it went well where it, I was calm and I noticed a lot of comments like most people were weighing in on their own, but some were like he could have done this. He could have done this. 
but really what I wanted to do was challenge him in a respectful way and just kind of get him to talk to, to see what he thinks and then people could decide for themselves. But kind of my takeaway was, first of all, he's, you know, one of the main points I wanted to bring up because everyone always says white supremacy. And I've heard him say it before in a debate, that's why he was talking to some uh, black comedian. He said, white supremacy, white supremacy. I'm like, can I talk about Jewish supremacy? I feel like I'd be called an anti-Semite if I did. And he's like, well, you know, Jewish supremacy doesn't exist. And if it did, I'd fight it, but it doesn't. And and it, it reminds me of kind of how he says like, oh, like, yeah, one thing people notice was like, he said, Jewish was a people and a civilization. It's not a religion, it's a race. So then I said, well, what about these exec, like, how come everybody's condemning yay, but not these Jewish executives who are pushing like pills and drugs on people? And he's like, oh, well, they're not really Jewish because they're not like religious. So like, I think, you know, he got caught pretty much lying or, or deceiving about that. And then also this idea that like, you know, Jewish people, you know, he admits that they do kind of have high level position in banks and stuff, but like, you can't talk about it because one time a bad guy did that. So telling the truth about it now is too dangerous. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, they don't have power, but they do own a lot of stuff, but you can't talk about it. But there is no such thing as Jewish supremacy, but there's a thing as white supremacy because white people have done bad stuff like Hitler, except I'm not German, but somehow I also have to get blamed for what Hitler did, but you know, but they can't take any blame for the group of people that like, I found his his arguments. That's why I didn't really talk much because I'm like, he's kind of debating himself and exposing right. himself. And I think this is the problem people have with a lot of, you know, like Jewish groups, etc. And activists. Yeah, because they're not they're not being forthright. You know, it's like, we're a religion. No, we're not. We're an ethnicity. No, we're not. You know, <laughs> we're right. a group. No, we're not. Are we a group? <laughs> can, can we actually discuss the groups that like you call yourselves like the Israeli Defense League or whatever? Am I able to at least discuss that? No, I'd, I'd prefer you not. And I was like, well, then why do you exist? I mean, why, why does that group exist if I'm not able to even talk about it? It's just it's all very confusing and conflicting. And I think that what's really fascinating is like name me name me a nation that is a white ethnocentric you know, monopoly. Like there isn't one, but Israel is one. So that white supremacy is an issue, but I, I can't point out the fact that like, well, you have a, a state for Jewish people exclusively like that. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't demonstrate a level of belief in superiority in a ethnocentrism in a supremacy, if you will. I just think it's very confusing. And then there's obviously the mistreatment of the Palestinians that I think a lot of people um, have issues with. And for the record, a lot of Jewish people have issues with, and, and God bless them for, for being willing to speak out about that. So it's all, you know, I don't like talking about it just because I don't know enough. And I ultimately will, it's like the risk reward is <laughs> a astronomical, you know, like, like <laughs> right, right. For like, sure. I, get, like... I get, I get nothing if I get it all right. And I get fucking <laughs> nuked if I get anything wrong. <laughs> I love that. The risk reward just isn't, no, I, I hear you completely. Um, with his take on how there wasn't a Jewish supremacy, cause like basically he was saying Jewish people haven't committed atrocities in history, but like there is a white supremacy because white people have, to me, this is the core. And I know this gets kind of dicey with certain people because if you're Muslim, right, you think non-Muslims are, are, are immoral and that's why they're suffering. If you're Christian, you think non-Christians are immoral and that's why there's certain suffering. And if you're right. Jewish, God knows what they're thinking because you're not even allowed to know. But in general, <laughs> it's like I, I, I'm not going to say that this is your fault or this is your fault because I think all humans have made mistakes and history is tough. But of I course. think he illustrated perfectly, in my view, um, why you know 
over time, like I know they talk about World War II all the time and I understand why, but then they'll also say this has happened hundreds of times or thousands of times in history. Like at what point do you stop and wonder, like when his idea of history is that Jewish people have basically never committed big atrocities, so there is no Jewish supremacy. Like at what point do you have so much lack of self-awareness and lack of self-accountability that it becomes toxic? It's like a person that never admits that they do anything and they're always covering for their own, yet their own doesn't exist. In my view, I told them, you know, point blank, where I'm like, as somebody that has no hate in my heart, that only wishes the best, I, it's the same if someone got 500 pounds and they're obese and it's like, oh, it's everyone else's fault. Like, bro, you got to work out, you know, because until you do that, that's called self-accountability. I think for, you know, and I said this to him as well, as somebody who's not hateful, is throughout history, they've been scattered, so they don't have their own state, which is tough. They're always a minority in a land of people that are prideful, especially in the 18, 1900s, which is tough, and I understand that. But they're always rejecting the culture, rejecting the religion, doing things that other people would consider immoral, and perhaps most important, is never taking accountability for anything they've done. In their worldview, they've never done anything, which is why they keep committing the same mistakes and atrocities, because they're completely oblivious to the fact that they're even doing it, or they pretend like they are, and people don't like that. So I think that, you know, a lot of people dance around it because obviously it's a tough thing to talk about. But from a position of love, I'm trying to be like, bro, you got to think about self-accountability and self-awareness in, in the category, just like everyone does. Because, you know, in my view, it's like America's not going to not implode if we worry about everyone else. Like we got to focus on ourselves. America is is toxic. And right. once we get untoxic, we'll heal. You know, I find that you know, I think they reject a lot of moral codes that a lot of other people are following on average and the lack of self-accountability where they never admit to doing it, it rubs people the wrong way time and time and time and time and time again. And it just seems like they have no interest in, in changing anything they're ever doing. But you now you notice that there's more eyeballs on them now than there has been in a long time where it's like, and then they want to real quick, I know I'm kind of rambling, but, and then they want with the Kyrie documentary, use their power to shut it up. And it's like, dude, I, I told them if you would have just let that go, probably a thousand people would have saw it. Kyrie's not that popular on social media where like, he's this huge cultural figure. He's, he's not really, and I'm not knocking him. It's just like, there's a lot of athletes that say a lot of stuff and it doesn't have that big of an impact, but because you freaked out about it, probably tens of millions of people saw the documentary. So I understand what you're trying to do. But that was my whole point to him is that it's not working. And it, it, I think historically, it's always done the opposite. And, and they just never, in my view, without being too controversial, they never seem to learn. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if Barbara Streisand is Jewish, but <laughs> if she is, the Streisand effect is what you're describing. It's where you you tell people not to talk about something, then it, it brings everybody's attention to it. And I think that's what happened with that documentary. But I think there's also just a, an obvious a logic to what he's saying. Well, there's no Jewish supremacy because there's never been any uh, atrocities committed by Jewish communities. Well, even if that were true, okay, well, what about just before the first time a white community committed an atrocity? Well, like the belief system still matters is what I'm saying. You know, like if you believe that you're supreme and that you're trying to have your own nation and to, you know, kick other people out of their homeland is what's occurring in Palestine to a large extent. Um, you know, like that's still a, a, a belief in supremacy and a, and a behavior as such. And many people would consider it an atrocity. So like if you're just going to completely ignore that or, or gaslight people into you know, making themselves feel crazy for going like, well, what about these little Palestinian boys that like get their genitals blown off and stuff like that? Like, are we allowed to at least be concerned about that? 
Because right. like I am, you know, it breaks my heart. And for the record, when I see Israelis getting, you know, fired back on from Palestine, it it's sad too. Like that, like these are just sad things. And I right. and I just feel like it's it's it forces a level of you know, like we were talking about earlier with Jordan Peterson, it forces a level of um, you know, I don't know, cognitive incongruence where you're just not you're not being even handed because it forces you not to be able to be just a normal thinking person. Like, Hey, it's sad when a Palestinian child gets injured in this conflict. Like I'm going to say it. I don't care if you, if that makes you think that I don't like Jewish people, I love Jewish people. So whatever, I don't care what that makes you think. I'm going to be real about this stuff. And that's all there is to it. And, and it's, uh, I think you're, you're dead on that. This is ultimately very counterproductive for their community. And, uh, you know, I don't even like talking in community type categories, but I think that yeah. like ultimately it is love when you're willing to tell hard truths to your friend, any other group of people. Same same thing I would say about the black community. If you want to help the black community, we we have to not we necessarily, but someone eventually has to talk about the fact that so few of the fathers are staying and raising their children. You know, like that's that's also a very unpopular opinion or an unpopular topic, but it's still real. Like statistically, there's a there's an issue there. So are we just going to ignore it and expect it to go away? Like, no, I'd like to talk about these things. That's just how I do it. Yeah. On that note, I was listening to Dr. Umar Johnson on uh, breakfast club. Cause after they had on the ADL, they had him on. Cause he's like a big, like pro black, like you should marry black, like super black right. activist and like leader in the black community. And I don't mind that. Like, like when you love your people and want it, I don't care. But one thing I kind of thought when I, when I heard what he was saying, cause he was talking about, you know, white, this white, that was fine. But he was mentioning problems in the black community. And he said, like, police genocide. And I'm like, listen, you're a libertarian. I'm not like a normie boomer conservative. So, like, I don't, like, obsess over the police. I think there's good ones. But, like, the police state can be a problem. Well, like, sure. are, do you re- does he really think, like, in the south side of Chicago, like, it's not gang violence that's killing thousands of people. It's uh, a police genocide. Like, it's almost like, you know, and I'm not trying to be rude to him, but if there's police in these communities where leaders like him think they're getting genocide, then just leave, you know, let them police themselves. And then people are going to die more and then they're going to beg for the police to come back. So it's like, I don't care. I like the pro black stuff. And I like, I don't get offended or call it racist, but the, the sheer dishonesty of the denial of what's going on in these communities and acting like there's a, uh, the police are genociding them. Like why even police a neighborhood where people are going to lie and say, you're killing them at mass scales when you're really not what's if they hate them so much, why, why not pack up and leave and see how it looks in five years? Because well, they think you're genociding them. So what's the many point cops are. Yeah, many cops are are just quitting their jobs and they're just saying like, or the 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 police force is not uh, you know enforcing laws in certain areas and stuff because it's just it's basically more hassle than it's worth is how they view it. And I can't blame them. Um, I mean, obviously there is an issue with police brutality. That's that's real, but it's also not a genocide, and it's insane right. to say that. So like you know, just don't overstate your your case and then people can actually take you seriously. Um, but just a real quick point, like, as you said, I don't have any issue with black people that want to stick with black people and have their own little community and do their own thing. Like, I mean, uh, killer Mike, one of my favorite rappers, like he talks about it all the time. Like we got to look after black businesses and black owned and black this and black that. Like, look, that doesn't bother me at all, but I also, I don't agree with it. And I don't think that like white people should stick together and white businesses should do white business stuff and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it's all, um, 
just collectivist nonsense. And I think that like, if we want to move together as a civilization and grow together, we have to get over this type of, of, you know, collectivist thought process. But at the same time, like if that's your thing, okay, that's fine. But I think it's fascinating that white supremacy is the only thing we get to hate, but then the black supremacy, Israeli supremacy or Jewish supremacy, any other supremacy is all good. It's like, it's, and I want to ask you, I want to ask you someone who disagrees with that with killer Mike. Um, like, do you know, notice that like him and Dr. Umar, where I don't mind that they do that personally, but would they not be the first one to call a white person racist for being them? Like if you took a killer mic and made them white and literally copy and pasted his entire script, but to a white community or like hundred percent, wouldn't he call him racist? Like quickly. Yes. And, and guess what? <laughs> he would be, he would be racist because he's saying, I just want to do business with my people. I mean, well, that's your, that's, that's a racist outlook, but you know what? It's okay. If you want to be racist, it's okay. I that I mean this is a this is a hard line libertarian vantage point and and a lot of people run away from it. Even libertarians will run away from it cuz but I I believe that, you know, deciding who you want to surround yourself with is ultimately your choice. And right. and no one else can make that for you. That's why I don't use the word racist that much anymore because it's like it's been so overused where it's like if if you want to do that, this is where I think the big disconnect comes is the people who do that the most prioritize their own rate. Like that's not your tribe. That's not your collectivism. But like for some people, they it is or they think it is, but they're the first ones to be the hypocrite. I just mind yes. the double standards where if you're yeah, going to do it that way, you, you got to allow other people to do it. If not, then you, you are having special laws and privileges for yourself. And I right. wanted to say with, with Israel real quick, like you said, it really is like pretty much an ethno state to the point of where you can get citizenship if you're Jewish and they'll give you a passport just for yeah. your race. It's probably the biggest ethno state in the world. I'm not even saying that as a negative thing. I think they have the right to do it. But do this is this is the issue that I see with a lot of people where they even he admitted like how important they're probably one of the most cohesive units in the world. They have a World Jewish Congress, an anti-defamation league. They look out for the rights of their people worldwide in hundreds of groups. But then they act like they're not doing it. And the weird part that I've noticed is like it's only individuals and groups where I understand from a theory perspective. I don't judge you as every libertarian. I judge you as for who you are. But at the same time, people have to be honest with patterns. If you live in a Muslim neighborhood and 80 percent Italians take over, you're going to see a lot more pizza and a lot more linguine. You know, and that's not a coincidence. That's because Italians moved there. That's just a fact. (laughs) You know, if you have a Muslim country and a bunch of Christians and Jews move there, you're going to see a shift in culture because the Christians and Jews move there. So this idea where they're like, oh, we don't have any, like if, especially historically, like hundreds of years ago, way before any world wars, you know, you had a lot of Christian and Catholic nations that believed in certain laws, no sex out of wedlock, you know, no usury loans, things that are in the Bible. And Jewish people historically don't believe in the Bible and they don't care about that. So they would act differently. That's just a fact. You can yeah. argue whether it's right or wrong or good or bad. But when they say, oh, that's true, like he even admitted, like there's a historical reason that they dominate banking. I mean, you can go back probably before even Rothschilds and just understand why historically, racially, spiritually, like there is. a. And he admits, yeah, it's true. But like we can't say it because like if you say it out loud, it's dangerous. So it's like, dude, that type of like lack of self-awareness and accountability makes people not like you when you won't just admit. Like if it would be like, yeah, you can't say the NBA there's like a lot of black people in the NFL. Like, yeah, that's true. But like, you just can't say it. Like, it's like, why? So I think that's the issue is like, I don't blame every person for doing everything. But if 
hardline Baptist Christians run the media, you're going to see a lot more anti-abortion stuff, right? You know, if of course, and if uh, individuals will call them, you know, run the media, you're going to see a different type of. And then in Qatar, you have or Qatar or QAnon, you have the, <laughs> you know hardcore Muslims running the media, and they don't like when people wear rainbow shirts. It's it's just that the you know the individuals, the Jays, they don't even like like it's almost like you're everybody's like nervous to even say the word Jew when you're talking about their culture. Cause it's like, what, yeah. am I going to get in trouble? You're like, I'm not even being mean. They just act like they have zero impact, zero, nothing matters. And they're all individuals yet simultaneously have a massive, like, you know, country that you can only get into or have a citizenship <laughs> if you're theirs. The, the sheer like dishonesty of it is what drives people insane. It's, it's not even in my opinion, the fact that they have all these high level positions. I think most people, don't even notice or care until they overplay their hand and just kind of lie about it. Well, and the inevitable conclusion of this is that if you are doing these things and you're telling people that they are evil if they point it out or talk about it, well, then they're going to go to some really crazy conspiracy theory conclusions. Right. And do you want that? Because I, I would say that doesn't benefit your community if you're going to be talking in that language. So I, uh, I just, I, I felt your sincerity during the debate. I felt like, like I've made this same point uh, a few times where it's like, look, I want the best for everybody and I want the best for your community too. And I'm just telling you, pretending as if you don't have some sort of group allegiance to one another and some sort of like thing that you're doing with each other is not to your benefit. Just be real about it. Like when black, like when killer Mike talks about like black business, black, you know, doing black stuff with black people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't care. Like right. just at least he's being upfront about it, you know, right. like now I know if he's doing business with me, it's probably because he couldn't find someone else that was <laughs> his, his shade of skin that could do the same thing, you know, like right. I would rather know that. And it, I feel the same way with like, um, you know, businesses too. Like if you don't want to do business with me because I'm white, I don't want to give you my money, you know, right. be upfront about it. Don't, don't like smile in my face, take my money and then go like, oh, I can't, I'm so glad that white per person got out of here. You know, that'd be terrible. Right. Um, so I just like honesty and I like honest people. Right. And I find that with every activist in those communities where it's like, I've, I don't know how many I've ever found that do that. Like if you copy and paste a Kaepernick or killer Mike into a white person, clone them, everything, <laughs> copy and paste it and put them in front of them, they would hate each other. Oh, you know, where I, like, I like to think maybe this is like narcissistic <clears throat> to say, but if you clone me as a black person or a Jewish person said the same thing, I wouldn't hate myself because I don't have all these inconsistencies where right. it's like, you know, I, and maybe that's like, oh, if you clone me, I'd love me. That's like the douchiest <laughs> thing I've ever said. But, you know, I just it's like a social experiment. Like if you cloned Killer Mike and made him like Caucasian Mike, you know, it's oh, like dude. I feel like they would same with like Young Pharaoh and stuff like I don't care that you think that way. But that that's where also the anger and I think the like whatever. And I'm not saying Killer Mike's angry, but that's where the wall comes in because like in my opinion the truth is the truth and that will set us all free bro so if you're I'm not call, being I'm calling consistent. that i'm calling that anomalies razor or anomalies <laughs> rule like if, if you if you changed your skin color and cloned yourself would those clones get along that's right. anomalies rule because i think that really says a lot about you know your worldview and whether or not you're treating people as an individual like it just does it's so obvious Right. Uh, like, hey, I'm Colin point. Kaepernick and I'm half black, you know, I'm Colin Kaepernick and I'm 100% Caucasian. I care about black businesses. I care about white, white businesses. You're racist. You're right. You know, like immediately yeah. it would like the clash would happen where if I don't <laughs> like you said, I don't think in that way. But at the same time, I do notice patterns and, you know, I do understand culture. Like if you live 
in a community that thinks a certain way, they're going to act a certain way. Like, you know, it's, you have a local government, it's nice if they like pave roads and actually do something versus just steal your money. So I notice these things, but I'm not that like opinion. Like I get it. Dude. Perfect example. All white Colin Kaepernick. He's going to be way more of a pocket passer. (laughs) i'm I'm just identifying patterns here white quarterbacks don't scramble as much that's just reality Uh, Uh, josh uh, allen does you racist that's true and and so and so does uh justin herbert for the chargers and daniel jones yeah Yeah, it's it's these whiteies are out here running around (laughs) these damn white these damn white boys out here taking our gerbs they're they're, they're starting to scramble starting to scramble like a pack of caucasian eggies it's like i don't know is that I heard there's certain like even like white slurs that you can't say now that they take it down. And it's like, oh, man, I don't know, really? you know, well, that's al- also Patriot Jay, who's who's black for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, he said the N word with a hard ER on uh, Twitter <laughs> and, and Elon banned him and he's still banned. But he was just trolling because like Elon's like hate speech has gone down 30 percent and he just posts the N word yep. under it. And then he gets banned. So I posted a thing because there was some white quarterback who said it in a rap song and got like dropped from Florida. And I posted his picture in Patriot J's. And I was like, they both got banned for saying the N word. And Patriot J texted me and he's like, bro, that's so funny that you posted that. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I love I love Jay. He's a good friend of mine and and uh, Olivia Rondeau too, his girlfriend. So I yeah. was I was so proud of Jay for just firing that shot. That, I mean, that was talk about like <laughs> really playing with fire. But he's like, I'm black, I can do this. And nope, you can't. I bet he low key. I'm gonna have to text him. I wonder if he regrets it because like you know now he's not on Twitter. It's like being at a big like having FOMO. Everybody's like, woo, free speech. We're having so much fun. And like, his, <laughs> I'm sure his girl is like having fun too. And he's sitting there like, yo, I can't log into Twitter. Like, <laughs> you know, it probably sucks. Yeah, for sure, dude. Especially since he used the word that allegedly his his people are allowed to use. It's crazy. Yeah. Last topic, and then we're going to uh, take off, is uh, the Elon brain chip thing. This kind of got over, I guess, overshadowed in the media because of all the Twitter file stuff. But he claims to have, you know, monkey trials going on. He says that he's going to have human trials here soon. And hopefully the FDA will improve, approve his brain chip, which the functionality is not really for diseases and stuff. He just wants to combat with AI and thinks humans are too weak to do it. Like, what do you think about that? And also, what do you think about the theory? Some people think he's fronting and like the monkey's just playing with his hands. It's not really in his brain. Like, do you hmm. think there's a, yeah, which I never really even thought of, but like yeah. I did until it came out and I'm like, you know, could he be lying or is this scary? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think it's real. I think that they, he's sincerely working on it and I think he sincerely wants to to roll it out. And unfortunately, I think it's an inevitability, you know, whether it's like everyone keeps talking about Elon, like he's this grave danger uh, because he's working on it. It's like, okay, well, if it's not him, it's the Chinese, you know, it's the CCP. Like, right. I don't know. Is that, is it better one way or the other? Yeah. I mean, you can decide for yourself, but I think that ultimately if like the, the, the natural arc of human innovation is that like, if there's something that increases productivity or intelligence or whatever, well, people are going to want it. And right. uh, I think that it's coming, man, whether we like it or not, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Think about this. Like, that's a good point that you brought up. Say, you know, America is like, oh, well, we don't want to do it. Right. You know, that's bad. Obviously, like it could backfire. And then China's like, we literally would would throw a thousand of our people in a fire for the benefit of our nation. You know, they have that like crazy, like yep. we'll build a stadium. Thousands of people die. We don't care. 
you know, they start planting in people's heads and their soldiers get better. They they get so smart that we're like behind. And then Americans, it's like, oh, I guess we got to put this chip in our head now. Like, dude, yeah, that, that could be and, the path. That's and, and whoever does it first is going to have such a massive competitive advantage. It's going to be crazy. I think this is why, like, ultimately everything else we're dealing with today is is almost irrelevant because like once you have the advent of ai and brain chips and like super intelligence well then you know people like you and i you know if we're not going to chip up ourselves too <clears throat> we it's kind of becomes like a moot point you know you just have these super geniuses that are like walking computers that are able to you know tabulate 1000 calculations on the fly um, you could have, you know, Colin Kaepernick's that are able to figure out the exact trajectory of the pass right before they let it release. You know, like we're we're entering a uh, a brave new world in more ways than one. Yeah. So I guess the last question would be if China gets the chip first and they start getting super strong and John Fetterman gets the chip and he becomes the world's <laughs> best chess player. If John Fetterman gets smart, you know, there's some neuralink oh, in dude. there. If he's able to complete a full sentence, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, friendships are real. <laughs> neuralink. All right. Well, if it gets to that point and everybody's got it, like, are you moving to the woods or are you getting the chip in your head? Dog, that's a great question. You know, I've never even thought about it. That's weird that I've never even thought about it. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I really don't want to, you know, like I'm very, I'm very content. You know, the, the, the sad but, part is, but you would for a free milkshake. It's like, I don't want to, but McDonald's <laughs> like brain chip in a vaccine for a free milkshake. And Cliff's no, like, no, oh, no, I no. guess I will. I'm thirsty. No, no, and I, no, I left no, my no. wallet at home. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is different. This is different because like <laughs> with the vaccine, I was able to actually like make my own, you know, risk calculation on this. It's like, it could really get to a point of like, you can't compete in the new economy if you don't have this thing. And, and it's it sucks for people like you and I, because we probably have higher than average intelligence. And all of a sudden we'd be like John Fetterman's you know, yeah. around like all these geniuses are all around us. And we're like, oh, man, I remember when I used to be smart. Um, and then women would be like, you stu stu stupid. And then you start <laughs> crying. And then I start crying. I'm like, oh, they're like, you're too stupid to hang out with us hot girls. And they're like, damn, like, maybe I should get a chip in my head and go out to the club. Nobody See? wants to hang out. Yeah, yeah, man. I just got to get like, I got to get wiped up, have kids, and then just move into the woods. You're right. Right. I'm tr I'm leaning woods, but yeah. No. Me too. I'm Me gonna. Too. It is a it is a good point though. I think that a lot of people don't think where it's like I'm hoping I'm literally hoping that they're bluffing and and they don't really have the tech. Cause Me too, man. To be honest, in the monkey thing, he is like chewing and like holding his hand on the thing, and they're like, look, it's moving with his brain. Like it could it could be anything, but yeah, you know, I. I I, I mean, hope he's bluffing. Yeah, I hope so too. And and even if it is what it looks to be, you know, it's still relatively rudimentary. So I think we have, you know, fifteen or twenty years, maybe. Um, so I don't know. Human I, trials, though. I don't know. They 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 could start. I know, in like I know. a couple months. I hope I know, it's like but, the moon, where they're always like, "We're going to Mars in twenty thirty or twenty fifty. Like they always back it up. <laughs> the, the the costumes don't work. You know, it's like I hope it's one of those things where he just keeps backing it up. Yeah, or or like the first person to put it in their head just explodes, and we're like, oh, no, we're not, we're not doing. This. <laughs> Dude, it's on TV. He does it like a Tesla rollout. He's like, hey, look, it's a Cybertruck and a Neuralink, and the Neuralink dude's head explodes, and it just gets all over the bulletproof windows, and he's like, oh my gosh, like cancel, cancel. It's live on YouTube. Susan Wojcicki's like shooting herself. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I think that's our only hope. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there's like a million people watching it live and they're like, cut, cut the stream. 
their heads that, there's a movie where that happens i can't remember what it is but i i saw it oh god anyways yeah but then man, everyone I, still wants to get the cyber truck because they're like <laughs> low-key though that windshield wiper did look like it got it off pretty quickly way quicker than my toyota uh, sign me up for that oh, but not the Neuralink. there's still a bunch of people that want the brain chip even if they saw that too which is crazy most people would. They're like, yeah, they're like, dude, you can get a brain chip and go to Coachella. They're like, well, I really want to go to Coachella, so I guess I'll get the brain chip. You're like, dude, you failed the test, dude. Like, and the then, vaccine and then Con- for a free free milkshake, for free for happy meal fries? Like, dude. Then Kanye gets on stage and the entire audience's head explodes all in units. Oh, my gosh. Be pretty President great. Ye will save us from the brain chips, okay? Dude, I think yeah. it's our only hope. Or he'll, he'll be like, he probably would like them. He'd be like, you know, they're pretty dope. <laughs> you know, I don't know. All right. Well, for people who are watching on on my stream, where can they find you, Clint? Uh, at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter, and then Liberty Lockdown anywhere else. Um, you know, everywhere else. Liberty Lockdown. Just search that, Clint Russell. Thanks for thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah, and if if I'm on your locals, it's a DreamRareLinks.com. D R E A M R A R E. I got everything except my TikTok link is expired because they banned me. Communist China. Oh, those could, sons could, of bitches. Couldn't take the heat. Dream, DreamRareLinks.com. Make sure you guys support Anomaly. He's doing great stuff, as always. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode, your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold, where did it come from and where did it go, it requires a fight, not tweet from your phone, don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne, if you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home, the virus is scared of, will come and it'll go, the government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe, like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening, scared Hollywood left these lyrical feminine, a typo with Luke might bring the nooses, we all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses, freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit, knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip for 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus is scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this don't get treated like a hoe